What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Self-Help Witch. I am Dana. I'm your host. Self-Help Witch is all about exploring the spiritual side of self-awareness and personal growth. And I'm so happy you're here with me today. If you're new, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, wherever you are listening or watching this. If you really love what we're doing, leave a review, leave a comment. I read them all. It means the world when you do. Today, we're talking about the concept of eudaimonia. This is an ancient philosophical term that gets at the idea of what it means to live well. If you watch the YouTube channel, you may have noticed that the cover art for this episode contains a rendering of the Sun Tarot card. As I'll share in the episode, eudaimonia is about living well, and it's about living in alignment with your virtues. The one really fascinating piece of this that kind of is woven in but not explicitly talked about in the episode is how living in alignment with your virtues is really about living in your brilliance. The sun card always evokes that for me. It depicts a child basking in the sun and that is the feeling that I get when I am feeling most alive, when I am lit up. And I get that feeling from living in my virtues, living in alignment with what feels true and correct for me. That is really what eudaimonia is all about. I hope that you'll take away from this conversation that living in alignment with your truth, with your virtues, with what feels correct for you is honoring your spirit's path, the path that your spirit came to experience firsthand to make manifest in the physical. And that feeling of aliveness and being lit up is living in your brilliance. I don't think it's a coincidence that we use lit up idiomatically, at least in the English language, that feeling of being lit up and living in your brilliance. It's about living well and living well is about being true to that sense of what lights my spirit up. I wanted to make that really explicit before we got into the episode because that's the takeaway. (laughs) So let's dive into the details. Let's get into what eudaimonia is, what it's not, and how this concept can help us access living in our brilliance. Let's start by breaking down what eudaimonia really means. So the word starts with the prefix eu, which means happy, and has the root daimon in it as well, which means spirit. I want to read a direct quote from some of the research I did on this topic that I think is so useful for understanding this concept, and we're going to unpack the different pieces of this throughout the episode. They say, well-being is not so much an outcome or end state as it is a process of fulfilling or realizing one's daimon or true nature. That is, of fulfilling one's virtuous potentials and living as one was inherently intended to live. A couple things I want to pull out from this. One, the idea that eudaimonia is a process and not an end game. The other thing I want to point out is this idea of virtuous potential. So virtue is a really important piece of eudaimonia. 
you can't access eudaimonia, in other words, living well, without living in alignment with your virtue. And then finally, this idea of living as one was inherently intended to live. I want to push back on any kind of skepticism you might be having that that is actually really selfish. I believe that the channel for your highest contribution for all people, for the collective, is by living in alignment with your true nature, which is what we're talking about here. And so I'm going to pull all of that together in the episode. Let's start by talking about the difference between active eudaimonia and passive happiness. One really important distinction between eudaimonia and happiness is that eudaimonia is not an emotion. It is a state of being. Obviously, happiness is an emotion, and you might be wondering, what is the difference between a state of being and an emotion? To me, it's the difference between active and passive. So eudaimonia is an active choice. It's something that can only happen through action. And the action is living well. On the other hand, happiness is passive. It's something that happens as a result of external circumstances, typically. Now, of course, you can access happiness through things like gratitude, which are definitely internal experiences. But if you stop and think about it, gratitude is also active. It's something you have to choose to do. Gratitude is rarely something that happens just automatically on its own unless we have a really solid gratitude practice. So when we think about eudaimonia, living well, as rooted in action and choice and happiness as something dependent on external circumstances and passive, we can see how happiness is such a fleeting and frustrating thing for so many of us. We find ourselves constantly waiting to be happy and longing for the right circumstances to come together to make us happy. And it doesn't take a philosopher, I think, to understand that that moment is probably never going to happen, especially if you are locked in this passive waiting game. We have to create those circumstances for ourselves. And the real kicker is most of us don't realize when we're in that mindset that we can create what we're looking for right now. Happiness is in the present. And we have to create that through active choices. This is why eudaimonia is so powerful to me, because it empowers us to enjoy what we have in this moment. The present is the only moment we have. And when we're waiting for some future to arrive, we're going to be waiting forever. When we can embrace an active role in living well, when we can embrace eudaimonia, we create the circumstances. We become the manifester. We become the person who has what they want because we're taking an active role. Now, I can feel the skepticism coming through the screen, even though you're listening to this in the future, because I am also ever the skeptic. And there's a part of me that, as I say this, is thinking about certain, you know, hypotheticals. Like, for example, I have been wanting to go to Sedona since 2020 and really even before that. I love the desert and it's a place that I just feel really at home at. Haven't been able to go in a long time. I had a trip planned to go to Sedona actually for my birthday, 
which was March 13th, 2020. The day that you may remember as the day that COVID started shutting the world down. I didn't get to go on that trip. And I never got to go on that trip because uh, life happened and now I have a baby and yada, yada, yada. There's a part of me that's like, okay, we're talking about creating an active role in your happiness. I can't just pick up and go to the desert. Like, that's something I want to do. That's something that would make me happy and I can't do it right now. So what am I supposed to do in that situation? No matter what, you still have a choice, right? I could pout, be pissed off, and complain that I don't have the money to go on this trip and feel really confined and trapped. And if I'm being honest, I have felt those feelings. But I have another choice as well. I can access here and now what I want to feel from that trip. What I want to feel is connection with nature and freedom. I can do that now. I don't need to get on a plane to feel that. Now, would I still like that? Of course. I'm still going to do that when I can do that. But I don't have to suffer in the meantime. I can choose to live well and access those feelings right now by going to a different park that I don't normally go to, by meditating outside, by creating a little sanctuary in my yard, as small as it might be. There are things I can do to access that feeling right now, and that is the key to living well. It's about realizing that when you wait for the right circumstances to magically arrive, you are going to be waiting forever. And you're really blocking yourself from whatever it is you're after. You have the capacity, you have the power, no matter how limited your resources are, to access what you want right now. And even if you're skeptical of that, I hope that you can see that when you take a passive role in living well, that's a dead end. That's not going to work. You have to take an active role in what you want to feel and what you want to experience in your life. And the more that you embrace the idea that you have the power to feel and experience that right now, no matter how limited your resources are, the more powerful you're going to realize you are, that power will compound. You will begin to feel more confident. You will know that you're capable and you're going to be able to access the life that you want, period. Now, eudaimonia is a philosophical term, and it's one that's been talked about by Aristotle and Socrates and other other old guys. And they argued over specifics. Each philosopher has a different take on what eudaimonia is really about. But one thing that's consistent is the idea of virtue. They all agreed that living in accordance with your virtues is the ticket to eudaimonia, that you can't access living well without living true to your virtues. Your virtues are simply those qualities that you think are good or morally correct. And what you think is morally correct is built on a foundation of all kinds of stuff that when you examine more closely, you might find you don't actually agree with. That's why I will argue the first step in accessing eudaimonia in living well is understanding what your virtues are and getting really clear 
on why they are a part of your moral framework. For example, when it comes to being honest with others, you might believe it's better to keep an opinion to yourself if it's going to hurt somebody else. When you stop and examine that, you might realize what's underpinning that is a belief about keeping yourself small and putting others' needs before your own. I think most of us would agree that that's not a path to living well, right? So it's sneaky because we would all agree that honesty is a good virtue, but you have to dig deeper on, well, what do I really believe about honesty and why do I believe that? The same virtue that could be in alignment for someone else may not be for you. And of course, we live in a society where we learn our virtues from the culture and the family of origin, etc., that we grow up in. So all of us have to do that work of questioning what are the virtues that I want to align myself with. Because remember, the idea of eudaimonia is rooted in living in accordance with our virtues. And when we live in accordance with our virtues, we are living in accordance with our true nature. So this clarity work is really about recognizing what's true to you and what's external and what's conditioning. So not only does this require clarity, but it also requires honesty with yourself. We have to be able to be honest enough with ourselves to look underneath these virtues and perhaps change them. So a couple things to consider when you are doing this virtue reflection work. Think about your actions. Based on your actions, what virtues do you embody? And do these actually resonate with you? So for example, uh, you might say that honesty is a virtue for you, but you're not honest. Think about how many times a day you say, I'm fine, without even thinking about how you're really doing. This is a big one for me, and I've really tried hard to rework this. But if you say honesty is a virtue for you and you are consistently not honest about how you're doing, there is a disconnect there that deserves some unpacking. And it goes back to the bigger picture that your virtues only matter in terms of how much you're living them, the extent to which you're embodying them. You can say all day long that courage is a virtue for you, but if you're not actually doing things, taking action that's outside of your comfort zone, it doesn't matter. It's what we do that matters, that helps create the life that we want to live, that allows us to live well. Action is living. And if we're not taking action, we're not living, which means we can't really live well. We're just existing. And there's a big difference between the two. So that's the first thing you can think about is what do my actions say about what my virtues are? And is that really accurate with how I feel? On the other hand, you can ask yourself, what don't I do that says something about what I value? Like maybe I don't brag about my accomplishments, so I could say I have humility. And with both angles, what you want to ultimately get to is what's the volume on this virtue and do I want to dial it down or up? Like you could be too humble. Maybe you need to brag a little bit more. So you want to turn that down a little bit. Or you want to have some pride in yourself, right? You want to flip the script on your version of 
what you think is bragging. Like maybe bragging to you is really rooted in this idea that you can't celebrate yourself, that it's wrong to be proud and you could use a little bit of pride. And so you want to kind of reattune to that virtue in particular. But we can do that with any virtue. We can investigate the extent to which we want to embody that and the frequency with which we want to embody that. Meaning not how often we embody it, but the like tenor of that virtue. And again, either way, the question becomes about your actions. What am I doing? What am I not doing? And how does that align with what my virtues are? You live your virtues through your actions and understanding the connection and disconnection between your virtues and your actions can help you know where in your life you need to tweak to access living wealth or eudaimonia. So now I want to push back on any feelings you might be having that this is actually selfish. Honestly, this kind of gets into the whole idea that self-help is just like pointless navel gazing and is, you know, makes us just focus on ourselves and all of that bullshit. This is one of the best things you can do to be of service to the highest good. So let's think for a second about virtues and what they are. Again, virtues have to do with your morals and what you feel is morally correct. So your virtues are not only the qualities that describe your moral compass, but I will argue also your spirit's compass. So let's take this from a spiritual angle for a second. Your spirit came here to experience a particular path. It came here to embody certain qualities and to bring them into the physical world. Your virtues help you know what those actions are. Again, if courage is a virtue, you are here to be courageous, to do things that are bold, that maybe not everybody else would do, that are a little outside the box. And when you follow those virtues, when you embody them and you're following that compass, what you're doing is help you stay on that path that your spirit is intending to live out in this physical existence. My belief, based on what I've read, what I've experienced, is that we are individual spirit souls, but we are all connected through source. And because we are all connected, when we live in alignment with our virtues, it benefits the collective because each of us is a little piece of a greater, larger whole that we're all connected to. And we all came to shine in a different way. When I shine in a way that resonates for me and my spirit and my virtues, it ultimately helps everyone else. So how does this work? Think about people like Oprah, like Dolly Parton. These are both women who came from extreme poverty, had plenty of setbacks and obstacles, and I'm certain people telling them they couldn't do what they wanted to do, who were tenacious enough to live in alignment with their virtues and follow their path. So in Dolly's case, you know, it's writing music and ultimately becoming a performer. And in Oprah's case, it's becoming a thought leader and someone who really was an innovator as well. It's obvious how their contributions have helped the collective. But I don't think that you have to be a humanitarian or a philanthropist for living in alignment with your virtues and embodying living well to be of service to the collective. 
For example, you know, I don't know anything about Natalie Portman as a human, but Black Swan is one of my favorite films of all time. The way she plays Nina is deeply inspirational to me, and it really gets me thinking. And I'll also give credit to the person who came up with the film, Darren Aronofsky. He's the director, and I think he wrote it as well. Both of them living in their brilliance, living well, living in accordance with their virtues, so creating, acting. It benefits me. It helps me live well because curiosity is one of my virtues, and I love to think, and this film makes me think. So even things that seem like, how could this possibly be benefiting people? Everything you do that's living in alignment with your virtues benefits the collective because we're all connected. And I think it's easier to understand that if you think about the inverse. When you're not living well, you certainly affect other people, right? As a teacher, I think about the example of, and I'm sure, unfortunately, you've all had this experience, the teacher who's just grumpy, (laughs) the teacher who just clearly doesn't like kids, doesn't like what they're doing. Obviously, this person isn't living well, and it can deeply affect the students in the room, the people they work with, on and on. I think about, you know, the best teacher I ever had and how that person saved my life. I would have probably dropped out of high school or just gotten myself mixed up in some really bad stuff had I not had this person to lean on. And I believe it was because she was living well. She was living in alignment with her virtues of being someone who could care for others, being there for someone who needed it, that I am here talking to you today. So never underestimate what living in your virtues can do, not just for you, but for the collective as a whole. That's really what living well is about. It's about you feeling content and alive, being on your path, and therefore empowering others through your actions to do the same. <laughs>